This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning. Welcome along to a beautiful Saturday and to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Hey, Charlie. And listen to you. You sound so perky. Well, I am. Except I was telling you, I I had a little problem this morning of my own making. Mm. I get, uh, (laughs) uh, I'd say, about 20 kilometers from home on the way to the station, mm. and it suddenly dawned on me, going down the 404 just before Bloomington, I, oh, no, all the scripts that I had prepared, I had to bring them in. So I had to go all the way back. And, wow. Yeah. And then... Uh, Good thing well, you uh, get up the way, at the crack of dawn. You had yeah, time I, I, to... I was, yeah, it was 6.30, I, I got going. Yeah. And, and so when I got to the uh, train crossing, uh, when you know there's a train... A level uh, yeah, crossing, And yeah. it was it was like two and a half miles long, that oh. damn train. But coming back in to get my papers, another train, 92 cars, I counted. I was going nuts. You know? Oh, come on, you guys. Well, you had a lot of time to practice your scripts. Well, that's true. That's true. So you could just do them just perfectly. <laughs> anyway, uh, fun and games. Here we are and uh, mm-hmm. looking for calls for folks to yeah. get to you and with a question or, hey, a comment, mm-hmm. too. Uh, in Toronto, you can call 416 or anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And if you're a first-time caller, let our operator, Sebastian, know. And uh, when you come to the air, that's what you're going to hear. Get your garden wings. There you go. Oh, well, and our mantra, call early, call often. One question per call. There you go. Aren't you just on it? Well, I am. Good yes. job. All right, so I've got some homework. Mm-hmm. I have to report back on. Remember last week, our first caller, Heather, in Scarborough, called about her chestnut tree and how the leaves look yeah, really yeah. ugly. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, you know what? I'm, I know it's a very common condition, so it's a non-infectious physiological condition. It is caused by unfavorable environmental conditions. All right? So it's not a bacteria. It's not a virus. It's not a Wet weather, fungus. But- well... There's different unfavorable environmental conditions, right? This year, what's unfavorable? Probably all that high humidity is not. Uh-huh. Nobody's happy with that. So here's some control measures to sort of write down, keep in the back of your mind. If you have a chestnut tree on your property, you want to keep it as good looking as you can. Remember, scorch won't kill the plant. It just makes it look really, really ugly. Because uh, it, it's just, if the plant is healthy, just having some crispy leaves in late summer is mm-hmm. not a problem. Uh, it's got all spring and early summer with nice green leaves doing lots of photosynthesis and growing and being more healthy, right? So what what do you want to do? Well, if it's really, really dry, like it was last summer, you've got to remember that you don't leave your trees unwatered. We get into long-term drought. You must water plants, particularly chestnut trees, every 10 to 14 days. And that's a very Real good slow, yeah. slow, deep watering. Mm-hmm. So that's your hose on a little trickle yeah. sitting right on the ground 
out at the drip line, and every hour you set the alarm and you move the hose around the drip line. Okay. So you leave it out there for hours, slowly, mm-hmm. you know, f- dripping down into the soil around the drip line of the tree. Um, consider mulching underneath your trees. Um, instead of trying to fight with grass, where grass so rarely grows well anyway, mm-hmm. consider a garden, consider other plants, consider mulch as a way to conserve moisture and keep weeds down. <clears throat> Think about fertilizing. All plants need fertilizer in the spring. Um, Now, trees actually benefit from fertilizing in late fall. So late fall, as in October, November, and then that fertilizer, believe it or not, is actually... It is part of it is used late in the fall by the roots, mm. but the balance of the fertilizer is there in the spring. As soon as the ground starts to thaw, the tree is able to absorb some nutrient. So again, that helps to keep a healthy tree. Um, and keep your lawn fertilizers away from your trees. Um, <clears throat> prune out dead, diseased, damaged materials, crisscross branches, anything mm-hmm. growing to the inside. Open canopies, make sure there's good air circulation, sun penetration. Trees will always be healthier if they're pruned properly. And, of course, there's my my mantra. And don't just hire, you know, Joe with the chainsaw. Yeah. Go to your, you know, International Society of Arboriculture. Get yourself a certified arborist to do a proper pruning job for the health of your trees. Okay. All right. Uh, I see Charlie by our little monitor here. Oh, I just went on and on so long I didn't get a chance to all my... I have a few announcements, but we'll get to those later. Okay, all righty. We do have uh, in our first uh, bunch of callers mm-hmm. who are on the line already, we have at least two first-time callers. Nice. So we'll got get your to those arm calls. ready. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the uh, garden, and we'll be back momentarily. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, as indicated, we do have my uh, bell ringing arm in shape here. Oh, good. Yeah, that's for Sheila in Rexdale. Good morning, Sheila. Charlie and Frank. Morning. Thank you for taking this call. Our pleasure. Okay. Now, my problem is, or our problem is, the front lawn has a lot of mushrooms, or some people mm. say they're fungus, not mushrooms. Mm. Mushrooms are a form of fungus. Carry on, yep. But nobody seems to have any kind of idea of what we should do with the thing. Okay, so the reason you've got all those mushrooms growing in your lawn is not that unusual, given the high level of soil saturation that we've had the entire summer. Yes. And realize that <clears throat> mushrooms don't just grow... Spontaneously. Mushrooms grow on dead organic material. Yes, well, there was a tree there. Exactly. Uh, about five or six years ago, the city took the tree down right. and stumped and, it and everything. Yep, but the roots are still there. Yes. And the m- roots are what the mushrooms are growing on. So the roots are dead. The fungus, the mushrooms, are doing their job as decomposers, chewing up in their own inimitable way those dead roots. Oh. <clears throat> so... Excuse me. It's a long process of uh, this happening as nature, you know, means it all to happen. So you can just kind of put up with mushrooms when you see them. Yes. What I tend to do, though, I mean, there's no way you're going to go into your lawn and start digging up all those roots. I mean, that's oh. the only way you're going to get rid of the, really get rid of the, the mushrooms is by getting rid of the roots. So don't do that. But just in the morning when you wake up, take a look outside. If you see those little toadstools popping up out of the lawn, just go out. And this, my son was so good at this when he was a small child because he loved swinging golf 
clubs. So his job was to go in the morning and whack at the at all these mushrooms that would come up off of dead tree roots. And all you're doing when you're do, when you're taking off that part you can see is you're slowing down the formation of spores and the spreading of spores and more mushrooms growing. So it's going to all still happen underground. You just don't really want to see all those toadstools. So it's, it's early in the morning before they open, right? Before it's like a little open umbrella. They're yeah. still closed. If you can knock them down just by kicking them or knocking them over, you will slow down seeing those that part that, you know, yeah. the, the really obvious part of the mushroom. But otherwise, yeah, just don't worry. Okay. Okay. Thank it'll, you very much. It'll just happen as nature wants it to happen. Yeah. Are you okay. having a good morning out there in Rexdale? Nice sunny day? Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you. Well, great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for calling. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Uh, Don't bye-bye be for a now. stranger. Yeah. yeah, the door is always open. Right. Well, now, Elizabeth in Toronto. Wait a minute. Oh, another first-time caller. Another first Good time morning. Caller. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Um, I enjoyed the show, and I was very pleased to get on. My problem is, in June, mm. we have a um, blue spruce bush. It's oh. covered with caterpillars. Mm. And they stripped everything off it, and it's been brown all summer. Mm. But now, little green bits are appearing. Is it worth waiting to see if it comes back, or should it go? So you're referring to it as a bush. Is it like a little small tree? Like a blue spruce typically is a, ultimately like a Christmas tree kind of a shape, right? Yes, but so, this is definitely um, sort of up to my chest, I guess. Okay, so it's something that you planted. Yes. That's too bad. Yeah, that we had a real serious infestation this spring of canker yeah. worms, and they just defoliated all kinds of trees. So the question is, is it salvageable? Um, if it was brown and dead looking almost the entire summer, I, you know, you could, if you wanted to take a photograph and email that to me, I could take a look and advise probably a little better. Okay. Um, because, you know, I mean, a spruce is a beautiful plant, and it's obviously, you know, if it's four or five feet tall, it's been there for a number of years. And you've yes. put it in a good location, keeping in mind that blue spruces, you know, 40 feet tall and 20 feet wide when they grow up to be their full size. So assuming, you know, you've thought that through, it's in a good spot, it was a, it was a you know, good-looking plant, maybe there is some hope to, to hold on to it, or maybe it's just it'll never ever look good again but i just i think it's quite possible (laughs) and again you know there's another example there you know i mentioned certified arborist at the top of the show that's an example as well where you could use um you know toronto is well served by a company called the davey tree people so d-a-v-e-y um you can call them up this they will send somebody to your yard at no cost and advise you what to do Oh, that's really? that's the way it works with arborists. They come to you, they look at your problem, they give you their advice on what to do. And of course they're hoping you're going to hire them to do yeah. some of this stuff. <laughs> but if if the advice is leave it alone, then there you go. You've been told by an expert to leave it alone. So keep okay. that in the back pocket as well. Well, good. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, if I take a photo and email, what is the address? Frank will okay. give you that. Yep. I'll okay. give you Charlie's uh, email address here at the station. <clears throat> it goes this way. C. Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, mm-hmm. at mzmedia.com. Okay? C. Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. And uh, Charlie will get whatever you're going to send. Nice. Thanks for that, Frank. Thank you very much. Thank you, Elizabeth. 
Join us anytime, okay? And we have to uh, take a first break as we glide into home here at, uh, what, 921 on a beautiful Saturday Mm -hmm. morning. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Frank Proctor saying good morning, Caroline, out there in Fergus. How are you? Hey, Caroline. Hello. Good Hello. morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. I thought he said Brooksview. I'm from Fergus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, I, I did say that, but then again, who knows what I say first thing in the morning. That's why I didn't answer. <laughs> okay. Charlie. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm phoning to about, I think they're Japanese lilac. They're the little short ones. Oh, okay. So you, uh, a little, like a, a shrub. Yeah. No, no, they're, they're a big tree, but they're the little short flower. Like not the normal lilac. Right. Are they white or purple? Purple. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's a Korean, dwarf Korean Whatever. lilac. Yeah, okay. Yeah, instead of Japanese, because the Japanese are uh, white. What I want to know is when do you prune them back? <laughs> okay, always with our flowering shrubs. And, of course, a lilac is an example of a flowering shrub. Always we prune them right after they finish blooming. Oh, okay. Okay, and that okay. way we don't run the risk of taking off next season's ah, blooms. I usually did them in the fall, but we're, anyway, and they and were that, fine this year. But Oh, that's good, because yeah. by, by pruning in the fall, when it comes to lilacs, you are often pruning off the buds, because the lilac does set its buds in the fall, uh-huh. because it's a fairly early spring bloomer, right? Anything that right. blooms fairly early in the spring has buds on in the fall. So okay. once they're finished blooming, whenever that is, it might be May, it might be June, depends on the spring, might even be April, then you do your pruning. So is it too late now? I would avoid if you can. Okay. <laughs> just to, <laughs> just because you don't want to you know, limit your beautiful show for next year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Super, oh, Caroline. Thanks for thank calling. Yep, and we enjoyed the show. Oh, thank well, you. Terrific. Thank you very much. And take care of the folks in Fergus for us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's get out toward the Niagara area and say hi to Joan in St. Catharines. Good morning, Joan. Hi, Joan. Oh, interesting. Good morning, Joan. Are you there? Hi. Hi there. Oh, there you are. Okay. Love your program. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for taking my call. Our pleasure. I have a butter, well, butterfly bush shoots coming up everywhere. They're between 5 and 10 feet tall, and every one of them have the, the flowers on them. Mm-hmm. I break them off when, when they're finished. When can I transplant some of these shoots, and when should they be pruned, and how close to the ground? Hmm. Uh, okay, so you did you originally plant a butterfly bush? No, it's been here probably for 25 years. And a couple of years ago, the in, the original bush got um, Killed. Looked like damaged it was in, dead. in the yeah. storm. Right, and the root survived. Oh, boy, did it ever. <laughs> and all these suckers are coming off the root. You know why? Because butterfly bush can, like, you're in St. Catharines, which is kind of, oh, yeah. you know, the tropical part of Canada. And so butterfly bush can be an invasive plant mm-hmm. uh, in, certainly in parts of the United States. Typically, it's not a problem in the Toronto area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, however, perhaps there, that, there's something going on there just because of the warmth where you're, where you're living. Um, all right. So what are you going to do? Well, best time to prune butterfly, butterfly bushes in the spring. 
Okay. And you look at, like, everything. It depends on the winter. If it's a very cold winter, everything above ground is dead, and it's just little green little shoots that start to come up from the soil again. And climb back up to being big plants. If it's a mild winter, we don't have as much de- die, you know, death to the plant or uh, dieback. So you only, typically what you do is prune out the dead stuff in the spring. Okay. But in your case, you're going to probably have to dig out some plants as well because you really don't want this plant to just take over your entire yard. No. Uh, so, like, for digging them out, I know there's a couple of people who would like some of them. Mm-hmm. So um, when should I do that? I would do that in the early spring, just when they're starting to to green up. Cause, okay. So remember what it looks like in the spring. You've got all that dead sort of crispy brown mm-hmm. stems, et cetera. But then you've got the little green buds showing up on the stems. Right. So at that point, you can identify what's alive, trim out all the dead stuff, get that sharp shovel. Remember, it's just going to be a case of um, lifting some of these smaller plants with that above ground stem and some root below. Just You'll never get all the root, but just get some root and okay. transplant right away. Perfect. Okay. Some happy campers. Oh, nice. (laughs) Great stuff. Thanks for calling. Thank you, you, Joan. Uh, From St. Catharines. I spent about eight years of my radio career in St. Catharines. And actually, I don't know why uh, the names came to mind, but Howard and Wendy Staff, they have a huge uh, vineyard out there. And uh, I always remember them getting involved with the great festival, you know, the The wine festival. festival. Yeah. 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 So good morning, Howard and Wendy, just in case. What's the name of their winery? Staff. I'm not sure. They they have, I think they've... uh, they they sell their product to right. oh, the wineries. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, but they're growers, as as I remember. But I'm just, you know, isn't that funny how you yeah. just boom automatic into the brain? He was he was so darn much fun during the grape and wine festival. <laughs> I remember getting in a bucket of grapes with to stomp oh, stomp the grapes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I put on goggles and uh, <laughs> s- swim fins, you know, to stomp. Oh God, it was a riot. I anyway. Bet. Yeah, there you go. Weird little side trip. Little, I, took. I know, but that's that connects. You <laughs> yeah. know, grapes yep. and gardening and wine. Exactly. It's all connected. Right? Oh, I've got to let the folks know we've got several lines open oh, right yes, now. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk to Charlie or ask a question, by all means, in Toronto, call four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Now, let's go to, uh, let's see, Mississauga. Yeah, there's Bob. Good morning, Bob. Welcome to the show. Good morning. It's second time caller, anyway. Oh, there you go. Second, do you want a half a ring? <laughs> uh, that'd be good. We've got a 40 or 50-foot linden tree we've had since 86 in the backyard mm-hmm. when we bought the place. And every year it has the white flowers that come out, mm-hmm. and people take them and boil them and make uh, asthma tea. Mm-hmm. But this year, though, it didn't have the white flowers. And we normally get some drippings coming off the tree, but this year it's so bad. My shed is almost black. Oh, yeah, sticky. And everything that's out there, the barbecue cover is just covered in this. Yuck. It's not a sap. It's just... Well, it is nectar from the tree. So some insect, likely aphids, are up inside that tree, like far up there where you can't see them, 40 feet up, because aphids tend to be on the newest growth. And they are doing their thing, poking little holes in the leaves, enjoying some of that sap and nectar and then moving on. When they move on, they leave little holes behind and it drips. So the tree bleeds. Yeah, so it's probably that. I mean, it could be there's also a couple of different um, bugs, little tiny green bugs that will do the same thing. Often they'll do they'll do real number on all the honey locusts. They just every spring they just... and depending, you see a lot of bees in the summer because of the uh, white flowers, but 
No, yeah, not this year. Well, and you know, flowering on plants is just, it, it, it's never consistent. We get years with lots of flowers and years with not so many. So, it, you know, what you'll probably find is that next year you're going to have a bumper crop of flowers since to making up for the lack this year. Because it does, small. it takes very a lot of, flowers. yeah, a lot of energy to produce flowers. Because then the flowers are all about the fruit and then there's the production there. Well, so I keep watering the tree. I was going to say, do care for your tree. Make sure that it's not suffering for water. Has it, do you trim it on occasion? Have it trimmed properly? I've trimmed, I've trimmed it with a trimmer myself, but I mean, I'm not getting up high. No. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough not to go up anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't do it either. I bring an arborist onto my property just because they do it properly and cleanly, and they get up high, and there's no questions asked. They do a great yeah, job. trunk's got to be four feet across. I think it's about well, yeah. around. It's huge. Well, wow. so a big old linden like that, you know, you, yeah. you probably have a situation where the, the canopy is so dense, there's so many leaves in that center of the, the crown of the plant, that the air circulation, the sun penetration is not optimal, and then the plant ends up stressed, and then you end up attracting insects. So oh, it's lovely, lovely to sit out there in the, in the hot weather because... It's like having an air conditioner. Yeah, oh yeah, it's true. The shade of a tree is so special. No, I agree. But consider, you know, putting aside a little pot of cash there that you can bring in an arborist to do a proper pruning job. Uh, and, you know, it might cost you a couple hundred bucks. Well, it might be a charge or a pension. Right. Well, as I'm saying, it might be one of those things where you might have to sort of put aside some money because it might cost a couple hundred dollars to do it properly, but it still will make such a difference to the long-term value of the tree. And remember, that tree adds value to your home. So turn it out, Woody. What's that? The arborists would trim out some of the older branches. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they would be able to choose the right branches, structural branches to keep. Because remember that ice storm? We had a lot of damage to homes and properties from trees that hadn't been trimmed, that got, were, you know, just couldn't handle all that ice. So just yeah, something to keep like in mind. Blue spruce in the front lawn, and we donated the city of Mississauga. <laughs> yeah. They came and took it. Good. Oh, that's oh, good. perfect. Yeah. I'm glad they did take it because they're sometimes hard to get rid of. Yeah, but they they Get so big, I know. <laughs> well, thank you, Thanks, Bob. Bob. Okay, have a great day, great weekend. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Now, we're going a little bit to the west to Mississauga. First time caller, oh. that's for Marta. Good morning, Marta. Hi, guys. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, guys. All right. Well, I planted... Um, uh, Easter lilies mm-hmm. a few months ago, and I know they're difficult in the winter, and that they won't. Some there's a chance they might not survive. But mm-hmm. anyway, something interesting happened. I was expecting them to come out in the spring if they were to survive, mm-hmm. but they're almost fully bloomed. Oh, right now, yeah, yeah. So they just yeah. Didn't... What? How come? I mean, I thought that happens in the spring. You know why? Because you think of Easter lilies blooming in the spring because that's when we see them for sale in the grocery stores blooming. But those are forced by the growers, and and d- they set it all up to bloom for Easter. That's oh, not their natural so... blooming time. All the lilies, like those, this, these are true lilies, bloom in the summer. And if you're really a lily person, you can collect lilies and plant them in your garden. So you've got lilies blooming right from early summer right through to late summer because all different varieties bloom at different times. It was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. So these were lilies you had in your home blooming like a year or two ago? No, I purchased them in a pot this Easter. And and I just put them in my garden. So two blooms in one season then. 
Yeah. All right. So just remember that that's great, but keep in mind that the plant, consider, remember next spring to fertilize or get some good uh, composted manure onto the area where those lilies are because they need to be fed. I just have one more question. Oh. Whoops. You know what? (laughs) That's right. You you can call back and you'll probably get right in, you know. Uh, So give a call back, okay? Uh, okay, I appreciate guys, thanks, that Marta. very much, Marta. I love your so- show so much. Thanks okay. for calling. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Now, what she's going to call, hopefully, is, uh, again, 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We make people work to get on this I show. I know, <laughs> but it's, it's like, so worth it. <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, isn't that awful? Okay. Oh, and get my bell oh, ringer again. out again here. I can't free Daniels. Hey, that's for Judy. <laughs> In Grimsby. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Morning. Good morning. Yep. What's going on? Um, I recently moved to Grimsby mm-hmm. and inherited, I believe it's a Rose of Sharon. I'm not sure. It uh, Flowers resemble hollyhock. Yep. Sounds like Rose uh, of Sharon. Beautiful blooming. Mm-hmm. Neighbor has the same thing. I noticed she cut hers back and hers are not blooming. I'd like to know for next year, when do we cut ours back so ours will still bloom? All right, so this is a good question. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the um, Caroline who called about lilacs and when to prune yeah. them. So yeah. keeping in mind when a plant blooms has impact on when we prune it. So because our Rose of Sharon bloom at the end of the summer, yes. your time to prune can be right at the end of the summer or the fall because they'll be finished blooming or not. Personally, I prune Rose of Sharon early in the spring. So I let, yeah, so I let, enjoy those flowers. Sometimes, you know, if we have a mild fall, you'll have Rosa Sharon giving you color and beauty right through to almost Christmas. Uh, And particularly in Grimsby, because again, you're just that much warmer. So allowing it to do its thing. And I, I, again, you'll get the little fruit capsules hanging on the the Rosa Sharon all winter. But come early spring, you get out there. It's one of the last shrubs to show green. So we always think they're dead in the spring, but they aren't. So you vis- you got to look at that plant. you got to say, you know, it's going to grow a foot this summer. What height do I want it to be at the end of the summer when it starts blooming? Right? So if it's, you know, it's five feet tall, five feet tall now, you know, it's going to be six feet tall by the end of next summer, but you want it to be four feet tall by the end of next summer, you've got to take it down to three feet next spring. Okay. Okay. Right. Got it. Okay, wonderful. Th- thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thanks for calling. All righty, the Garden Show. We're coming to a screeching halt momentarily, not not forever in a day. We're going to come back and have a word with Fran and Oakville and others who are waiting to talk to Charlie here on the Garden Show. Back in moments. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And, uh, Charlie, let's uh, take a little trip to Oakville to uh, say hi to Fran. Good morning, Fran. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Could you tell me how to get rid of a Virginia creeper? Oh, I wish I had the answer to that. (laughs) Is that on your property or coming onto your property? No, it's coming from, I think it's next door. I don't know. Every spring I trim it back, right? And it comes back. Through the summer, it just comes back again. I know. I know. You know what? Lovely plant, but so often planted inappropriately yeah yeah uh same thing in my garden uh somebody behind me planted virginia creeper Mm -hmm. also known as engelman ivy and uh yeah it's gone up 
two crabapple trees. It's gone across three neighbors' fences. It wants to come into my garden. And the more we cut it, the more more sprouts grow off of it. I know. But all you can do is just keep, like, I try to go spring and fall out Uh, there, and I try to, like, pull it up. Like, don't let it get rooted. That's what I try to do. Yeah. And then cut it where it's bothering you, but pull as much of you as you can. And if you can befriend the neighbor well enough to say, look, that vine is a problem. (laughs) Why don't you cut that whole thing down so we can all have a peaceful garden situation here? That's an option, too. (laughs) But, yeah, they are difficult, very, very difficult to get rid of. All right. Sorry, I wish I had better news. (laughs) All right. A very dissatisfied customer there. Unfortunately, bad news. Uh, Leona in Port Colburn. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Glad for my call. Um, I don't have a problem. I have something unusual. I wonder what I should do with it. Okay. I grow aloe vera plants. Mm-hmm. I've been growing them for over 60 years. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, uh, I put them out in the spring, and they're beautiful. But this one, it's got a stem, I would say, oh, 12 inches long, coming out the middle with beautiful orange flowers on it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, you've never seen it flower before? Never seen in it In 60 before. years. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> is that normal? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a flowering plant. Aloe vera blooms. We just don't often see the blooms. Oh, okay. Because it is so happy this year. You've done something so right that it has popped out some flowers. But you know what? I know you say you just put it outside, but, you know, the light levels, the temperature, the humidity. I mean, we think of aloe vera as kind of a desert plant, but it's not really. It's a succulent, and it's more of almost um, like a woodland rainforest kind of plant. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, so I mean, it likes that moisture when when it needs it. Uh, it can be overwatered easily, so you've obviously been, you know, good at not letting that happen with all this rain. And yeah, it's just that bright light and the humidity. It's probably just smiling there, popping out flowers. Is very cool. Congratulations! Yeah, it, it just kind of amazed me when I looked out there and I go, I said to my husband, "There's something wrong with my plant." <laughs> nope. He's, he's got a flower on it. I said, I, oh, I thought he had planted, put the flower. Oh, in, you know, a fake one. Yeah, yeah. So about twelve inches tall. It just out in the middle. Well, you take a picture of that. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. That's okay. lovely. Thank you for Thank sharing. You. Okay. All right, Leona, in Port Colburn, where I hope you're enjoying uh, as beautiful a morning as it is here in Toronto. And by the way, if you're in Toronto, particularly the uh, downtown area, you can catch us on 96.7 FM, crystal clear, okay? And you can catch us on the web. Yeah. And we're on camera. Oh, yeah. Hi there. Yeah. <laughs> Waving at the camera now. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, what's our timing here? Did I? Oh, oh, we're fine. We we're time. fine. Yep. yep. Alice in North York. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, it's about watering my, fertilizing my uh, orchids. Mm-hmm. I bought the Schultz fertilizer, mm-hmm. and it says to put seven drops per liter in the water. Right. What do I do with the water after, and how much do I pour in the... Oh, okay. And is, is you have one orchid? I have two orchids. Okay. And you have any other plants at all? Uh, I have African violets. Okay. So what I would do, if I were you, I'd probably get a liter jug, fill it up with water. Mm -hmm. I'd let that water sit out overnight. I did. Or in a perfect world, have a rain barrel and use rainwater. And then I would add my seven drops of the orchid fertilizer to my liter of water. And I would use that liter of water to water all my flowering plants. Oh, 
both your orchids plus your African violet would love some of that orchid fertilizer. Okay. And then if you still... How much water can I put in the orchid? Well, it kind of depends on the size of the pot and the size of the plant. Uh, Generally, I find orchids are going to want... They want... When when it's time to water, they want a fairly thorough watering. You want to sort of... Like I say, it's hard to say. A six-inch orchid... Generally, I'm watering a good half a cup or more, three quarters of a cup. So, oh. what's that? You know, a third of a liter, basically. And I just broke because it's in a plastic container right now, and then mm. it's got the other pot. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So you got to make sure there is that drainage. You don't want that plant to be sit like if, if the plastic container that's sitting in another pot. Make sure there are holes in that oh, plastic okay. container. Because yes. the last thing you want to do is drown the poor little orchid. Yes, exactly. But um, that's but yeah, why I wanted to make sure before I did that. Yeah, drain. It's all about the drainage, and that oh. you can really learn a lot by seeing how much drains out and how quickly it disappears back into the plant. Okay. You know, if it sits in the saucer for 10 minutes or so, some water, that's okay. okay. But, you know, 15 minutes later, there's still water dumping down the sink. Thank you very much, and I enjoy your program. Thank you very much for calling. Thanks, Alice. Oh, just a note. Remember, Marta was trying to squeeze that extra call in. Yes. Gee, Marta, Marta in Mississauga, be a good time to call in now. We've well, got a couple we... of lines. Oh, no, 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 you're we right. Got, you're we right. got a line open. I'm reading the time <laughs> wrong. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Let me get my bell ringing arm in shape again. Hey, that's for Jim in St. Catharines. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Jim. Oh. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a problem with my roses. Uh, I've got climbing roses that haven't bloomed for a couple of years, and I've got a rose that bloomed well last year that hasn't bloomed at all this year. Mm. And i got a couple of small tea roses that haven't bloomed at all either. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what's going on. Okay, so did you prune these roses in the spring at all? Uh, well... With me, I don't really know a lot about roses. I basically trim them or prune them back in the fall. Okay. So let me give you some a primer on rose care. Two things. Okay. One, one is in the fall... You can do the prune, like like late fall, after we've had some hard frost, you can prune roses just for the the safety of your visitors and the plants. So, for example, if your climbing rose has a a cane that's out over a walkway or, you know, it's impeding the flow of traffic, certainly in the fall, that's a good time to to cut that down. But I do my, my radical rose pruning in the spring. So I take, now, of course, climbers, we never cut them right down to the ground. But tea roses, um, any of the, the grandifloras, the floribundas, so that the, um, you know, the highly bred roses, I cut them right down to two inches tall in the spring. But I also fertilize. Very, very important. Roses are heavy feeders. You, the roses have been absolutely magnificent this year. But I, I do think that there's, you know, it, it's a... There are certainly so many different kinds of roses that it's hard to you know, say all roses have been magnificent. But fertilizer is very important. And I don't use a liquid fertilizer. I use a granular rose food. There's different ones out there. You know, at your Home Depot, your Canadian Tires, you can pick up a box of rose food. Follow the instructions. Get that on the ground around the roses in the early spring when you're doing that pruning. 
And do you, is there any kind of special mulch that you would put down around the roses? I do, I personally do mulch around my roses because it helps control disease. So it's just a, it's an organic based mulch. It could be just the wood chips. Um, I also sometimes use ground cover plants like low growing annual alyssum around the base of my uh, roses. Again, just to keep the, the, you don't want spores of black spot or any of the, you know, mildews jumping around from rose to rose and they will do that in the water droplets when the rain comes down. So, yeah, you want to keep your roses as dry and as, you know, make sure there's good air circulation, minimum of six hours sun on your roses. So, you know, location is important. Good soil is important, but that spring care is also important. Oh, okay. Okay, good. And and just a good quality rose of fertilizer that is rose fertilizer. That's it, exactly. Okay, Jim. Thank you very much for uh, giving us a call and uh, being a first-time caller. So you're always welcome, of course. That's right. Coffee's always on. Exactly. And you've been on a lot this morning, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a breather. Just take it easy for a moment there, Charlie. Okay? Uh, Time to regroup for uh, Ms. Dubbin, and we'll be be back to have a word with Zindi in Pickering right after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, let's pop off to Pickering and say hi to Cindy. Hey, Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. I'm hoping this is just lack of sunshine. I have six clematises. The three up by the house are struggling, but they're okay. Mm-hmm. The three at the pond mm-hmm. are all curled up and brown. They came back, they put mm-hmm. out some new shoots, mm-hmm. and now they're gone again. Is it just the rain? No, there actually is a disease called clematis wilt. <laughs> so that's where literally uh, the branches will wilt right before your very eyes, and then a few days later the leaves turn brown. So wilt is something that is stays in the soil. Uh-oh. And um, what I would do, because what, what, it happens, like you can't, it, unfortunately it happens. The, cha- the challenge with clematis is we typically do our pruning in the spring when it's required. But when we're doing that pruning, we have to be very careful that we don't do any damage to the stems that we are cutting off. We want to make sure, because they're very, very brittle. Clematis, it just turns to like almost dust in the spring if you're not careful. So I go through and I cut all my clematis down to about six inches tall. Well, not all, but Mm -hmm. all my summer flowering ones, the ones with the big star-shaped flowers. They all get cut down to about six inches tall. Everything above, of course, goes into the composter. Everything below, I'm very careful to not do any damage to those stems I'm leaving behind. Clematis want their heads to grow up into the sun, but they want their roots in the shade. So I take all the dead, uh, what what looks like dead Mm -hmm. brittle stuff off. Yep, in the spring. Someone told me not to. Well, it depends. Wonderful, because now you're telling me the right thing. Well, it depends what kind of clematis you have. Are they, you you don't know the names probably. Uh, No, I have red, a double white, and and, uh, a blue. Okay, so the blue is often called Jack Manny. That's a very common clematis. And they're what we call summer flowering clematis. It all comes down to when they flower. If they flower midsummer, which is kind of like late June, early July, then we cut them all down in the spring. If they bloom in the spring, 
because there are a bunch of varieties that do that, then we certainly don't want to do a lot of pruning in the spring because then we'd be cutting off all the blooms. And if they bloom in the fall, which some varieties do, again, we can do our, our pruning back in the spring. So it's kind of tracking. But generally speaking, most people have summer flowering, which would be spring pruning down to six inches tall. All kinds of new growth comes from the base. Again, fertilize at that time and consider setting up an environment where the plant will be as happy as possible with its roots in the shade, but its head in the sun. Yeah, I have one yellow one that flowers in the spring. Right. It flowers twice. Right. So that one you would not cut down in the spring. That one you only prune when you want to, <laughs> when it's getting too big and it's yeah, starting to take over. These are very mature ones. They've yeah. been around for years. Yeah. But the ones at the pond, it's so sad because normally it would be so beautiful. Mm-hmm. An arch. Oh, and right. The three of them all mingle together, and hmm. it's so sad. They're, so I take them down now to six inches? No, in the spring. Okay, so leave all them. this brittle stuff yep. I'd leave over the summer. Just leave it alone. I know. Just let it be all winter and give them a thorough pruning and cleaning up in the spring and fertilize at the same time. Oh, thank okay. you. You gave me hope. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Good luck with that. Let thank us you. know how that yeah. turns out. Keep in touch with us, okay? Thanks, Cindy. Uh, And we have time for one more caller. Do you think? Yes, uh, my goodness gracious me. There is Ellen in Brantford. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I tuned in a couple of weeks ago, and just a little bit late, a lady had the same problem I do, and it's the Rose of Sharon growing all over your lawn. Is there anything you can do? (laughs) Yeah, well, that was not really. They're all coming up from seed. Right, so you've got a Rosa Sharon that is very prolific in terms of setting, like blooming, and then setting the little fruits, and then the little capsules pop open and seed blows everywhere, and in the spring you've got a little forest of Rose of Sharon. Lawn mowing, of course, just keeps cutting them down, hopefully eventually kills them, digging them out in the spring when they're little, uh, or doing some hard pruning on your Rose of Sharon in the fall to try and keep, like, try and control some of that seed dispersion. I would not right. normally ever do a lot of trimming of Rose of Sharon in the fall, but that is one way to limit the seeds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh... Not, nothing's Good. perfect on that, but yeah. Or, you know, start a nursery. There's always that option, too. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Thank well, you, Ellen. Thank you very much. And, oh, thanks and for thank calling. you for kind of mentioning, uh, you know, you just tuned in a little late. If you ever want to catch the show again, true. go to the podcast. What you do is just go to AM740, mm-hmm. our main page on, on the, your computer, and then search out podcasts, mm-hmm. and there we'll Scroll be. Scroll down to the garden show. And then and every one. single show. We have yeah. been doing this show for over nine years. Yeah. As far as I know, every single show is archived there on the podcast. Well, there you are. So that's a lot of gardening info. And you, you can listen and go back and forth. Yeah. Like if you're missing, you know, you can rewind, yeah, exactly. et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Good uh, point. Good point. So, my gosh, look, gone. The At time. a racetrack. Well, that yeah. was, I think we broke a record in the number of callers. 13 so. callers. Yeah, that's a lot of callers. You bet your bird. <laughs> hey, I'm not here next week. <laughs> oh, after, that's right. After this week of, whew, next week I'm taking a holiday and uh, Dennis will be here again. Dennis Flanagan will be here to keep you company and answer all our gardeners' questions. Great stuff. Look forward so, to it. So, thank you, Frank. And thank Sebastian you. held up very well through the show. And uh, good luck next week with Dennis. <laughs> I know how much fun you guys have. And I will... Uh, Certainly be 
tuning in because I'll be in a situation where I can listen. Oh, I, I might even send you a little update on what I'm doing next Saturday <laughs> okay, before you go on I'll air. I'll look forward to that. <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. Take care, and we'll see you all again in two weeks. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.